Hello, and welcome to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. We're wrapping up the semester really soon, and our seniors are looking forward to their futures in their careers and graduate schools. But before they go, we wanted to hear from them one last time. What were some of the perspectives and lessons that they've learned over the past four years that have changed their lives, and what would they encourage us to learn as soon as possible? Today, we begin part one of our series, Wisdom from Above, with seniors talking about a variety of different topics. Find those in the description of the podcast. So grab your notebooks and let's take a listen. Yeah, so I'll just be reading all my quiet time journals to you for the next hour. No, I have, I have notes on my phone. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Ben. Uh, I'll be talking about, I have the opportunity to talk about making the most of opportunities uh, in college, specifically at Challenge. Um, so I want to start off with the verse first, Matthew 6.33, which is, uh, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, so at my time at USC, I've seen a lot of people who don't buy up opportunities, specifically at Challenge. Um, it's either you know, they have too much homework, they got to study, um, they have this club or another commitment somewhere else. Um, but I think that Matthew 6.33 definitely paints a different picture, um, showing us that our priority should be seeking God first, um, and that the rest of the things in life, he will figure out for us. And yeah, I get it that everyone is busy with a lot of different things, but I strongly believe that you don't want to miss out on, on what God has to offer um, specifically opportunities to build your relationships with each other um, and grow your relationship with Christ and improve as an individual. And so a lot of that for me has been through making the most of opportunities in college with challenge. And so I can think of three specific stories um, where I took an opportunity that has really altered the path of my life and also shown God's goodness. And so first is when I started my sophomore year after transferring, I got connected with Stephen. Shout out to Stephen, wherever he's at. Um, <laughs> And yeah, he really pursued getting time with me. And after a month of meeting, he invited me to go on a trip to Santa Barbara with Jared and Alan. Um, and we drove up in his really battered and old car, which I thought would not make it there and back. And we stayed at a frat house too, um, a Christian frat house to clarify. So not just a frat house. Um, yeah, I'd only known Stephen for maybe a month and I had known Alan and Jared for even less, um, but it was a lot of fun. But the most important part um, of that trip was one of the mornings he got us up really early, we went out to the beach, um, and we just did a quiet time together. We journaled, um, prayed, and we're just in the Word. And I tried to get a consistent quiet time before, um, but just was never successful. And I don't know what happened, but God did a work, and after that it stuck. And I have not missed, I may miss like a day or two, I'm not perfect, but... Um, yeah, I've, I've been able to journal and, and do prayer every day since then. Um, and so these journals are physical proof of two, year, two and a half years of, of journaling and, and, yeah, praying and doing quiet times. Um, another story is from around a year ago. Uh, one again, Stephen, shout out to Stephen. A lot of Stephen shout outs. Um, he invited me to go on a trip to Big Bear. Um, and he, he planned one the previous semester, but I decided to not go because, you know, my family was worried about COVID. Um, but when the opportunity came around again, I decided that I would go because um, it would be a good opportunity to grow and connect with people just during a time of COVID where everyone was separated. Um, and to make this story short, it was a really good experience. Got to learn about mission. Met my girlfriend Bethany there. Um, 
And so, so that's why you got to buy up these opportunities. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and finally, my last story was just last semester. Had the opportunity to serve on the ministry team. Really great opportunity. This means a lot of meeting with people, getting training, leading events, leading small group. Um, and it took a lot of time in a semester where I was taking four core business courses. Um, and yeah, I was discouraged that semester because I was failing my finance quizzes. It wasn't going well. Um, and so yeah, I was discouraged. But in the end, I decided the opportunities that God has given me to serve and to build into people were more important. And what ended up happening, I got straight A's, which is probably the only semester I will ever get straight A's. But God was really faithful in that. Um, and it really show, goes to show how God, good God is. And so yeah, all these stories demonstrate that when I bought up opportunities to grow and connect with others, God blessed me with more than I could ever imagine. Um, it really shows how great our God is. And so I'd be continuing to think about Matthew 6.33 while you're in college. Um, yeah, and really just seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and then all the other things in life will be figured out. And so from that, I recommend three tips. One is just prioritize relationship with God. Um, good opportunities are not going to come up out of nowhere if you aren't open and listening to him. I'd also recommend prioritizing relationships with others. Um, I strongly believe that relationships that you build here specifically at Challenge, will have a greater impact in your life than any other club or class that you attend. Um, I'd also recommend being fat, and that doesn't mean eating a lot at the dining halls. It's being faithful with what God has for you, um, the responsibilities he's given you, available for what God has for you, and just being able to spend time with others, and also just being teachable in, in all aspects of your life. Um, and so, yeah, so in closing, uh, if you ever have an opportunity to serve or to connect with someone, um, take it. You never know how God may use that for, for his glory and for your good. Thank you. Hey, guys. Well, hey. <laughs> I'm Sam. For those of you who don't know me, I see a lot of familiar faces. Um, I wanted to share with you about surrender. Um, for every believer, there is a first step of surrender. When we, when we give up our own attempts to earn God's favor and rely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we become children of God. That is the first and most important step we as Christians can take. But Christ calls us into a life of surrender that stretches far beyond one decision. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. We are called as believers to a life of surrender to the Lord. Now, for me, surrender was a scary and confusing word. Um, before I actually understood it, I found myself thinking it meant giving up everything in my life. It meant giving up my major and career pursuits, leaving my friends and family, and living on really humble circumstances as a missionary overseas, and then, just then, I would be fully surrendered to Christ. See, I thought that surrendering everything meant literally having nothing. Surrender is not necessarily letting go of the things in your life but it is letting go of control in the thing, of the things in your life. Matthew 6.33 says, just as we heard from Ben, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
The goal of the Christian life is to seek his will and his purposes in everything that we do. Sometimes he will call us to let go of things, but sometimes he'll call us to take on things. All of that can be a part of surrender. The principle of surrender is submitting all areas of your life under the authority of Jesus Christ. Let me explain what this means in a more practical sense in my life. Before becoming a Christian, who made all the decisions about my life? I did. Who told me how to treat my family? Me. Who told me how to go about my schoolwork? Me. Who told me how to spend my time? Me. I made all those decisions. But since becoming a Christian, I've been learning and growing in what it means to let God be the decision maker in all areas of my life. So what does that look like? Well, how should I handle my finances? God says we are to be good stewards of the money he has given us and be generous with it. So I budget and invest my money wisely, and I give money to my church. How should I spend my time? God often emphasizes the importance of community for believers, so I put Life Group Thursday Challenge and Church on Sunday in my schedule every week. How should I go about dating? Well, God says to put the goals and interests of others above your own. So I tell Romano to do that every day. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I made that a priority in my dating relationship, regardless of how he treats me. Uh, No, he's great. (laughs) Um, But these are just a few examples. I hope to shed light on the practicality of surrender that's supposed to stretch in all areas of our life. Surrender requires obedience and effort every day, but it is worth it. It is worth it because of who God is. I'm convinced that we will only ever be able to surrender to God to the degree that we know him. Romans 8.28 is a beautiful picture of God's character and power. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God's plan for us is always in our best interest. He is able and willing to work all things for your good. Surrender surrender to Christ in all areas of your life does not happen all at once. This is a journey we as Christians embark on for the rest of our lives. As we grow in the knowledge and love of God, we're able to surrender more areas of our lives to his control. We can only surrender to God to the degree with which we know him. This past summer, I was brought face-to-face with this truth as I struggled to surrender my brother to God. I watched him go through the most difficult mental health season he's ever faced, and there was a time when I was afraid he would take his life. I was scared and desperate to control the situation because I was believing the lie that God wouldn't take care of my brother, and I was the only one who would. I was carrying the the burden of my brother's soul And when it was when that weight came to a breaking point that God asked me if I trusted him to take care of my brother. He helped me to see that I was carrying, I was trying to be my brother's savior, and that was a burden I was never meant to carry. That's only God's. The Lord healed my heart in a way I can't explain, and I was able to give up control of of being my brother's savior and let God be his savior. He taught me just how to be a loving and faithful sister and to pray to God every day for my brother. And that was so, so freeing. But it was difficult. And while this was difficult to surrender and not to step in and control and be my brother's savior, I'm convinced I was only able to give up control of this situation 
because I had surrendered other things like my grades, my schedule, my friendships, and my dating relationship to Christ. I had given God the space in other areas of my life, and it was through those times that he showed me just how good and faithful he is. I was able to trust him because I knew he would care for my brother far better than I ever could. Um, and this past December, I had the joy of seeing my brother recommit his life to Christ. That wouldn't have been possible if I had gone in the way. God is able and willing to work all things for good. I want to leave you with this last verse. Luke 9, 23 through 24 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What is God calling you to surrender to him? Thank you. Please welcome up Madeline. Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm going to be talking about finding your confidence in God. Um, as many of you know, I am a musician, and so in my four years at USC, um, I have been a part of countless performances. Um, my musician friends and I have put in many hours of personal practice um, in rehearsal in preparation for concerts. I remember one specific day during my sophomore year. It was December 9th, 2019. I had just finished um, my final performance of the semester in front of all of the string faculty. After I performed, I uh, went to the practice rooms and I ran into um, a couple of people from my studio. And so we decided to go to lunch together. Um, and as we were walking, I was talking with Keith, a cellist in my studio who also walks with God. We were connecting with one another about how easy it is to lose sight um, of where I identity and hope come from. At one point in the conversation, Keith said, with performances, if you feel like you've played poorly, the critics will write a good review. And when you feel like you've played well, no one will even acknowledge it. Then he continued by saying, Madeline, you are a daughter of God and no one can take that away from you. When you have a bad day in the practice room, that is not what defines you. This was very timely wisdom for me to hear. In that moment, when I was beating myself up for how poorly I thought I had played, I realized I was placing my worth in how well I did and how well others, in this case, the faculty, thought I did. I journaled that day. It is so easy to get caught up in everything cello. That in and of itself is not a bad thing, but when it comes to what defines me and what fulfills me, it's ultimately not cello. When I have a bad practice day or performance, it doesn't matter. I hope and pray that I won't lose this perspective and that there would always be people in my life who can remind me of this. Since then, God has been faithful and answered this prayer because I've, surrounded by, I've been surrounded by people who have made sure that my focus is on Jesus and not my accomplishments. On Monday, I had my senior cello recital. Uh, quite a few of you were there. And my prayer the entire day was that God would help me to be still and trust that he is my shepherd. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Just like David was confident in God as his shepherd, I want to be confident in not only how the Lord has created me, but also how he is leading and guiding me. So what do I want you to take away from this story? A couple of things. The first one being, you are not enough on your own. 
but through Christ's sacrifice, you are a new creation and you are enough. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So next time you are questioning your worth, I would encourage you to check and see if you're putting it in something other than Christ. Um, it could be in your school, in job, in your job, in a relationship, um, or a number of different things. If your confidence is in any of those things, um, they will eventually fail you. The second thing is that lasting confidence comes when your identity is secure in Christ. Like me, you may think that your confidence is in God, but you really need to check your heart and ask God to reveal if there are idols or things in your life that you're trusting more than him. Ask yourself, what am I putting my trust in? Where is my confidence? Am I looking to anything that is not God? And, it, um, and have I put my confidence in those things instead? Jeremiah 17, 7 says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And then lastly, confidence, is, uh, confidence in God is a continual process of surrender. A song I love is Here Again by Elevation Worship. The chorus says, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? These lyrics remind me that apart from Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, I would not be enough. But because he came, I can have confidence. The words, will you meet me here again, I think just really emphasize the constant dependence and surrender that is required when it comes to committing your life to God. And so I would just encourage you to invite God into the process of putting your trust in him and uh, don't be discouraged because like I said, it's gonna be a constant uh, process of surrender. And so when it comes to confidence in God, um, I myself am very much still growing and learning in how to do this, but um, I really hope and pray that these applications um, encourage you to take steps to have more confidence in who God created you to be. And so with that, um, I would now like to welcome up Matt. I'm going to take the mic off the stand. Uh-oh. Anyways, my name is Matt. You may know me as the guy that sings God That Saves. Um, I'm a music major as well, and you might expect me to talk about worship or something like that, but I'm actually going to talk about a message that God kind of laid on my heart a couple months ago. It's something that I wish I'd heard when I was a younger Christian. So um, basically the three things I want to hit are what my life looked like in Christ before college and now, then what changed and why, and a realization I had as a result. And the last thing is an idea and a couple simple verses that changed that perspective and helped that, that, that changed my perspective. That, that, that's a repetitive thing in here. Okay, I'm going to move on. Um, so these are like my Christian stats, like I'm some sort of religious free agent. So before college, I was a believer. I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to church at least once a week, often more. All my pastors knew me. I had close relationships with my youth pastor, with my worship pastor. Um, I had a bunch of friends in church. I served on the worship team, on the youth, uh, youth worship team, the adult worship team. I was an intern there for two summers. I knew I wasn't perfect, but I lived more of a Christ-like life than most of the people in my youth group and definitely the people at school. And it was a low bar, but whatever. And <laughs> I, at the end of the day, I was depressed and I was full of anger. I had no meaningful sense of purpose and I hated myself. And today, a lot of those things are kind of the same. Because I'm a believer, I go home to Texas, I got a Christian family there, you know, the staff here knows me, I've got a close relationship with Neil, I've got plenty of close friends here, like, I'm on the worship team, I'm on the ministry team, all that, 
I know I'm still not close to perfect, but I enjoy life now. I enjoy life. I'm helping others and I'm helping myself grow in life group. I'm developing a career in music and using it as a platform to share the gospel, which is something I've dreamed of doing for years and years. And I, even though I know it's like I don't have any sort of job or production gig lined up right after school, it's like I know God has a plan and a purpose for me in this city and that he's going to use me in this field and whatever that may be. So these look outwardly to be really similar, but there's a big internal difference, and I want to talk about what changed. The thing that changed was I started taking my own personal walk with God seriously. I started like actively pursuing him in my own life, which I hadn't done before. Before college, I was really living a double life because I would go to church and I would be the good Christian boy that my mom always wanted me to be. And I would just pursue the world on the side. You know, I would, you know, get my worth from social status or academics, partying, alcohol, drugs, the biggest of which was girls that I used to validate my own low view of my like myself, my abilities, my appearance. Um, praise God, he's delivered me from that view. But I, I would always put my worth and my satisfaction in these relationships that would always fail because I'm trusting on an imperfect person to give me strength and to give me meaning. And every time something would go wrong, it would fail, and I would get crushed. This brought me to the lowest point in my life in the spring of 2020 where I had this relationship that I kind of had lined up, and it was going really great, and it was looking like it was going to go well. I thought she was the one. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just she dropped it. She was just not interested anymore. And that, along with COVID hitting and all the work I had to do for the production department to try and get Zoom classes working right for music, and my sister's new yappy dog that I... <laughs> this dog stinks, man. I'm not, I'm not even joking. Um, I was at the lowest, one of the lowest points of my life, and I realized that every earthly thing that I had pursued had failed. And right around that time, my brother Luke Scorzel, where are you at, Luke? He texted me. Thank you, Luke. Um, he asked if I wanted to read through Acts with some of the guys. And I was like, yeah, I'll be the good DT guy that I am, and I'll read through Acts. I might even memorize a verse. Whoa. <laughs> I wanted to keep up appearances, but then God laid it on my heart, like I just said. Everything else that you've pursued has failed, and you haven't given me a real shot. You haven't given me a real shot. So I decided I'd do it. I'd give him a chance. And I would do everything I'd been told to do from, from quiet times, verse memory, all that. And I began to do this for the coming months, and God revealed to me so much in that time, not only about how I viewed the world, how I viewed him, things I needed to change. One of the biggest of those was my health, because a couple months later in that summer, God laid it on my heart that I needed to change this, and I stepped on the scale, and I was 297.6 pounds. And I will never forget that number for the rest of my life, because God made it clear to me that if I kept going at the astronomical rate of weight gain that I was going, that I was not going to see 40, and I was not going to see everything that he had called me to do. So I began to pursue him by losing weight and doing my quiet times and all these things. And by May of 21, I dropped 78 pounds. And yeah, <laughs> praise God. And I've gained a couple back since then, I'm not going to lie to you. But, and I'm still not perfect, but I was full of joy and purpose and direction at that point. And I had a question for myself was, why didn't I start earlier? You know, I had been in church for so long. Why didn't I start earlier? Why didn't this, why wasn't this clear to me? So I, I didn't really have a good answer at the time, but over time I, I've seen some verses and had some thoughts that God's given me to, to help me understand that. So what I needed to do was I needed to get informed, I needed to get started, and I needed to get consistent. So informed, what does that mean? Informed means understanding the truth about how you should view and act upon your end of the relationship with God and how he will change you through that. What I had to realize was that walking with Christ was more than just showing up to church or claiming to be a Christian on some government form or when somebody asks you at school. I, seriously, you actually had to go through the process of changing your life to reflect him. 
uh, a couple simple verses that really helped me understand the change and the, the, the meaning of that. It's 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God is not just talking. It is living by God's power. In the South, I don't have a lot of time to get into this. I'm already over time probably. But um, the South, church is more of a social club a lot of the time. And people there just talk and talk and talk their lives away about politics or predestination versus free will. And it doesn't, like, some of this stuff does not matter. Like, and I would, was so busy with the talking of church and not the living. And then John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Really simple, just understanding how your obedience is proof, is um, of proof of your love and your faith. But how are you going to know what you need to be obedient in if you don't actually seek him? So... I have a bunch of other verses. I'm not going to get into it. Um, uh, then getting started, understanding the urgency because Christ has called you to disciple and to to share the gospel with people. And like Christ is returning soon. So it's like, it's seriously urgent. Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 5, how if you're actually pursuing God, you're a child of the light. It doesn't matter when Christ returns because you're already pursuing him and you're already doing what you're supposed to do. So he wants us to start now because he's put people in our lives that don't believe and that I can't reach the people that are supposed to be in your life. You, only you can reach them. He's given you specific and well-crafted gifts that you can reach them with. So it's, it's urgent. Get started. And then lastly is getting consistent, giving a small part of your day every day to the one who gave everything for you, to the one who gave everything for you. And again, I'm not perfect with this. I, seriously, if I had a dollar for every meaningful quiet time that I'd done this week, I couldn't afford a gallon of gas. But <laughs> like, seriously, and then the main verses is one of them, one of them mentioned earlier, Luke 9, 23, taking up your cross daily, denying yourself, not just when it's convenient, not just when you have time, but seriously, every single day, because that opens the door for God to work on your heart and to develop you and to train you. The change will not be immediate. Paul compares this to like athletics in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. If anybody's ever been an athlete, I know I'm not the number one person to speak on this by any means, but um, if you've ever been an athlete, you know that you can't just do like a thousand curls in a day and expect to be a bodybuilder. You know, you got to get in there every day and be doing the exercises and the training you need to slowly get where you need to go. So honestly, if this is something you want, if you're, if you're here and you're, you know, pursuing the, the, the right things you think, but you still feel like depressed and you still feel like shackled by whatever sin is holding you back, what you need to do is get informed, get serious and get consistent. So uh, if you need any help with this, I know this isn't for everybody in here, but if you need any help with this, please come talk to me, reach out, text me, call me, Instagram, DM, Facebook message, or whatever. I would love to help you with this because seriously, the, the change, even though it doesn't look all that different, is so, so, so immense and so important with how you should view your life and the only one that God has given to you. So um, sorry I went over time, but thanks for listening. Now I'm welcome up Kelly. guys. Um, I'm Kelly, um, and tonight I want to talk to you about the value of community. Um, so first I want to take you back to my freshman year on move-in day. Um, I picked up my keys around the corner, um, then heading back to the front door of my building where my family was waiting for me. Oh no, I thought. They're already talking to a bunch of random people. <laughs> uh, my mom was quick to introduce me to their new friends, Jenna, Jeremy, and Victor. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're from Christian Club. You should give Jenna your number, my mom said. Uh, so I hesitantly gave my number to this stranger and <laughs> then went on my way moving in. Um, and the next day, something crazy happened. Jenna actually texted me. <laughs> um, 
I figured I might as well go make some friends, whatever. Um, so I went downstairs and met some more people from Challenge, and from there went on to build friendships that have gone deeper than I knew that friendships could go over the last four years. We were told early on in Freshman Connection that friendships determine the quality and direction of our lives. I'm here tonight to encourage you that how the people you spend your, uh, that you surround yourself with can bring you closer to God than you could ever get on your own. Proverbs 13:20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Uh, so here are three tips that I've learned over the last four years for how to do this well. Number one, pick carefully. You do have control over who your friends are, and you can be intentional in making friendships happen. Uh, it won't happen on accident, and you have to make time for it. Because if friendships really do determine the quality and the direction of our lives, shouldn't that be a pretty big priority? Choose people who are committed to walking with God and getting to know him better. Challenge is a great place to find some of those people. Uh, get one, um, and then take initiative to build friendships. In other words, make the first move. Um, get one-on-one -on -one time with friends. It's as simple as asking someone to get lunch. I promise you it's not weird. Um, you can really make people feel loved just by throwing an invitation out there. Number two, clear relationships are a game changer. In the past, I've always dealt with conflict by sweeping things under the rug. But um, when some, something bothered me, I ignored it to avoid confrontation at all costs. But whether I realize it or not, even the littlest things that hurt me uh, build up, and eventually there's a concrete wall between me and my friend. Most of the time, I can't even remember how it got there. I can't even put my finger on that. Uh, but I can feel the relational strain. The solution for this is clearing up relationships. When your friend hurts you, tell them. Even if it was just a little thing and it feels stupid to have to say out loud. If it hurt you, then it's not nothing and it's just going to continue to add to that wall. Um, when I talk about it with the person who hurt, who hurt me, most of the time I can feel all of my anger and frustration just start to melt away even as I begin to say, hey, this thing hurt me and this is why. I know you didn't mean it that way, but it did hurt me and I just wanted to talk to you about it. Um, most of the time they had no idea that they hurt me. And after the conversation, our relationship is stronger because of it. You will never know a perfect person, and that means you will always have to deal with relational conflict. Clearing up relationships is scary, but I promise you that it does get easier with practice. Um, my pro tip for dealing with the scariness is to put yourself in a position where you have to say it. Uh, for me, this has looked like uh, asking the person or even just sending a text when I'm feeling brave, saying, hey, can we talk later? Um, it'll be hard, but you can do it. Number three, stay accountable. My freshman year, I started spending time with a group of a few girls in my class every week. We shared what was going on in our hearts and followed up with each other on things like spiritual disciplines that we were wanting to work on. It wasn't about making ourselves look good, but instead it was about being really honest, even when we had no good excuse for not doing the things that we had set out to do. A part of accountability that I've found extremely helpful is picking a few people, in, a few trusted friends in your life who you determine will know everything about your life, especially the stuff that's hard to share. It's terrifying to make yourself vulnerable and to risk being rejected when someone actually knows the real you. But the joy of being fully known by people and deeply loved despite all of the ugliness that you've shared with them um, is so incredible and just so worth every painful word. And the thing is, you don't even give your friends the opportunity to love the real you if you don't open up. A verse that comes to mind when I think of accountability is James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Experiencing what real Christ-centered community can look like has been an essential part of the transformation of my life and my perspectives. Where I am today has so much to do with my friends. For the last four years, they have determined the high-caliber quality of my life and the Jesus-centered direction of my life. 
and I wouldn't trade them for the world. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. You have something so special here in Challenge. Soak it up. Four years goes fast, but community doesn't have to stop there. Keep at it, even when it gets hard, because community is so worth it. And now I'd like to welcome up Jared. Hey guys, I'm kind of scared of mics. Never, I'm always in the back. So, um, um, hey guys, I'm Jared. I'm a obviously I'm a senior, um, but I'm studying uh, pharmacology and drug development here, and I'm pre-med, and I think that plays a big role in what I'm going to talk about because I'm going to talk about balancing ministry and pursuing God and school and work and stuff, and I think. Being a pre-med student worrying about getting into medical school throughout all of college has, I mean, balancing my relationship with God and all the work I have to do has been very prevalent. But I think this could apply to everyone because I've seen that in the non-science students, it's often just really wanting to get that internship or really having to spend all this time on recording or on filming and stuff. So really, I think... Every student at USC goes through this at some point. Um, Proverbs 14.23 says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So this isn't going to be something about, like, leave all your work behind and uh, let's talk about God. But actually doing your work really honors God. And he tells us so many times in the Bible to work. But Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So you really got to think at the end of the day is the amount of work I'm doing interfering with what God has given me. Am I being unfaithful to God by doing all this other work or obsessing over getting into medical school or getting that internship? So I want to share a little bit about my testimony, specifically my college years. And it gets split into two halves. They're not even halves because first part ended late freshman year, but I think it could get split into a time with bad decisions and a time with good decisions. So um, I started out making the bad decisions, so that's good. Um, <laughs> it's changed. Um, but I just, I think it was unwise. I prioritized classes a lot. I prioritized getting into medical school finding research, building my resume, everything that it takes to get into medical school. And I even prioritized going to the gym. Like, I skipped Freshman Connection so many times to go to the gym. Um, it was not worth it. And um, all those things, despite me putting so much work into them, I was doing pretty bad at all of them. I was not healthy physically. Um, I was getting really bad sleep. I wasn't eating the best. And in my classes, despite all the time I put into them, I was doing pretty bad. I, I had to drop some classes to not fail them. I got, I got a C, which for uh, medical school is not good. So um, I knew that I was going to have to make a change. And um, actually, I had been coming to challenge sporadically um, since the beginning of the year. And God had always been poking me, like, hey, you got to do something about this. And um, I thank Jeremy so much for like sticking with me through all the times that I bailed on him and 
that I just told him like, hey, I can't go like five minutes before we were supposed to meet. But um, there was a change uh, throughout all those uh, bad health and all that. I was also pretty depressed. And at a certain point, like in February, um, I just crashed. Um, and I realized that I needed to pursue Jesus and that this uh, God was poking me for a reason. And uh, I decided to really pursue him, no ifs, ands, or buts. And although that may sound like a revolutionary moment, um, it, had, it wasn't so smooth as it sounds. Um, but something that Jeremy recommended was for me to join the discipleship team. And uh, after that part, that's when the good decision started. I made the decision to prioritize God. Um, that included uh, memorizing verses, reading the Bible daily, um, serving in challenge on the worship team, being at life group, later on leading a life group. So, I mean, this shift involves working less. Um, but obviously working harder doesn't always equal good results because that's what I was doing in the beginning and it wasn't happening. And actually at the end when I prioritized God and uh, ministry and just really loving people, that's when I started to see better results. So I kind of want to share with you some some things that I learned in that process that um, I think were really life-changing. So starting the discipleship team, um, I learned some good techniques to memorize Bible verses. And Colossians 3.23 was actually like the second or third verse I memorized, which is the one I mentioned earlier about all the work you do being for the glory of God. Um, I had to consider, am I doing this for God or for myself? And um, that means reflecting on other commands that God gives in the Bible and honoring, uh, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind with uh, sharing the gospel, making disciples of all nations. Was I doing that? No, that was not present in my life, even after I decided to join DT and stuff. So it was a constant changes. I was trying to fix things. Um, that same year, I heard of the term one-time decision. It was at a men's conference and uh, here we're challenged. And uh, one-time decision means to make a one-time decision to do something every time it comes up instead of deciding to do so, having to make that decision every week. So, for example, I made a one-time decision for challenge and said, I'm going to be at challenge, and that's the end of it for every week. Um, now, all the Thursdays after that, I didn't think, am I going to challenge today? I made that decision for... Um, adding verses to my memory pack for reading the Bible, for life group, all these things. And that really helped me start to get on track. That along with decisions like meeting with mentors and actually listening to them. I think that's a key thing. If you're not listening to your mentors, then that's not, there's not really a purpose to that. Um, uh, that. Those things allowed me to be filled with wisdom in my life to not only do the things that are directly related to ministry, but also to succeed in the other things. Like I said, ever since I've put these habits into place, God has just poured blessings and blessings on everything else. And actually, last semester um, was my first semester at USC with straight A's, while it was also my busiest semester with ministry. So that just shows, um, I think, God's just blessing on, um, you know, how uh, Sam and Ben said, uh, Matthew 6.33. Seek for his kingdom, and he's going to take care of the rest. Um, I see God's hand in my work now. I have a job. I have a girlfriend. 
a lead life group. Um, and all those things are working out great. God multiplies my time and it works out. And I just want to say like, this isn't perfect. I still find myself worrying so much about uh, med school and struggling to excel in my classes and stuff. But something has just kept me in peace. And that's knowing that when I have to remind myself often, just like, this isn't what God is. Um, this isn't the mission that God's given me to do. The mission God's given me to do is to just share his love with others and to share the gospel with others. And um, I just want to close with this verse, uh, um, Acts, 20 through, uh, Acts 20, 24, Paul says, um, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. This is Paul talking right before he's uh, about to go back into Jerusalem and uh, the people around him are saying like, don't go in there, they're going to kill you. And Paul says, this is what God set me out to do, I'm going to do it, even if it uh, means having to give up other things. So just remember, do not worry about your work. Do not worry about your school because that's not what God set you out to do. If you're going to worry about something, worry about if you're fulfilling God's mission for you. That's something to be concerned about. Are you going to leave this earth without fil finishing what God gave you to do? Um, I'm not supposed to be worried about if I'm going to be a doctor or not, but I am supposed to focus on if I'm completing um, what God's given me to do. So also just think about what you leave behind. Do you want to leave USC um, knowing that this was a school that gave you um, grades in classes and some football games and maybe some friendships? Or do you want to also not only leave with USC having impacted you, but you having left something behind? Do you want to leave your impact on some people or a lot for the rest of their lives? knowing that you've obeyed God, that's going to give you a lot of peace and um, a lot of joy that God's going to give you from that. So um, I think I'm graduating in peace because of this. I'm a very nostalgic person. Um, but this year, I think I've done a lot of what God's asked me to do. It hasn't been perfect, but um, I know that it's going to be okay after. So um, I'm excited for what's next. Um, so, yeah. That's all I have. Welcome up, Devin. Should I pull a mat here? Let's go wild. Um, all right. So you know the staff is desperate when they ask Devin to give some wisdom. So, uh, but uh, here we are. Uh, tonight I'm going to be talking about intimate friendships. And you're probably thinking, hey, uh, that sounds a lot like what Kelly talked about. Um, it is. And so if it's so good, that means you're going to hear it twice. So uh, at least pretend to take notes. It'll make me feel better. Um, yeah, so intimate friendships have been huge in my walk with God during college. And so uh, how do you define intimate friendships? So this means to surround yourself with a core group of people who intimately know your life and want to biblically spur you on forward toward God. So the guiding verse for this is uh, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 which is, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So uh, my friends from Texas probably know what a spur is, but uh, for the rest of you, a spur is the thing on your cowboy boot, you know, that you use to poke the horse to get it to go faster. 
Uh, the key with the spur is that it is sharp, but it won't uh, hurt the horse. And so just be thinking about that as we continue on. Um, so what does it look like to have an intimate friendship? So this means doing life. So I wrote, here's a couple points for you. So write these down. Uh, first one is doing life and uh, doing things together. So this means praying, reading the Bible together, playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, Omega Stage 3 stock with Ligandendorf, um, getting dinner, uh, and just hanging out. So just like doing life together. Uh, next is fellowshipping, uh, having intimate conversations, getting to know each other on a deep level, knowing what's important to them and investing in what's important to them. Uh, next is, is doing ministry together. So working together to advance the kingdom. How can you help make disciple makers? Um, how can you serve together, formally or informally? Um, do, can you, how can you in, in advance the same vision uh, for God's kingdom? Uh, and then lastly, the last one is accountability. Um, so as Proverbs 21:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Uh, well, when I was on a track team, I was training with like literally Olympians and we had the same goals and mine didn't work out, I didn't go to the Olympics, but uh, they, they pushed me to help achieve those things. And so um, you can accomplish the most when you have somebody that's pushing you alongside to do that. Um, so what are your goals and how can, this, and how can your um, intimate friends help you accomplish those? Uh, I think a big subsection of this is confession. Uh, like James 5.16 says, um, to confess your sins to one another. I know somebody said it earlier. And that um, there is power in the, in the prayer um, over this and effectiveness. Um, and it's something that we're not only called to do, but it's powerful and effective. And um, God's called us to do that. So, uh, so what are some examples of how intimate friendships have uh, impacted my life? Well, the first one, uh, thanks to my brother Alan, is one of my first intimate friends here at college. He came up to me one day and was like, Devin, I think you've been gossiping a lot about your track team and gossiping in your track team. And uh, I was like, ouch, Alan, that hurt. Because um, he was right. <laughs> so, and I was able to take this because I had trusted him enough to listen. And we had built enough relationship to see that. And I allowed, and thanks to him, he's pointed out logs, twigs, specks in my eye, <laughs> all kind of things uh, that I need to see. So I really thank him for that. Um, in my sophomore year life group, we had a life group about maintaining clear relationships, and I realized uh, there was two people from high school that I really hurt, and um, thanks to Mac, who was a, a graduate from a couple years ago, he really encouraged me to go and clear up those relationships um, in a gentle way, in, in a gentle spring, because he understood where I was in my walk at that time, and because he did it in that manner, I, I was able to do it um, a couple years later, <laughs> um, but that was really helpful for me. Um, other times, I need more sharp spurring. Um, if you ever walk in my room, uh, good luck. Uh, that's where the mad guys will spur me by roasting me uh, because they know that my goal is to have a clean room and they want to keep me accountable in that. And I thank them for that. Um, a last example, um, I had three grandfathers pass away in the last uh, 12 months. And every time I was blessed to be surrounded by people who uh, intimately knew me and supported me and loved me through that. I remember when my, my mom's dad passed away in October, I just woke up to the message and came out of my room crying. And and instantly there was Chris, one of my housemates there, ready just to pray over me and support me and love me. And I don't know how I would have got through that day without um, having him right there. And it just was a great moment to me that this is what it means to really do life together and, and to have brothers around who, who intimately loved me and cared for me. Um, so some of you are probably thinking, well, Devin, this sounds good and dandy, but um, I don't have any intimate friends, so how the heck do I get some of those? Well, you're in luck. I got some steps for you. Um, so first step is to find a couple people who are going on the tra trajectory of where you want to be. Uh, find people who are actively seeking to grow the relationship with God and have a purpose for their life, um, for, for college, for um, career, and, and have God at the center of that. Um, if you choose to have intimate friendships with knuckleheads, then you can't expect them to spur you on when you're being a knucklehead. So, yeah. <laughs> Step two is to set the pace. So this means to start living a life that reflects the type of relationships that you want to have. So get to know people on, a, on an intimate level. Um, invest in their lives. Uh, this, this doesn't happen by chance, and so this also means to live an open and honest life. Um, you'll, they'll never be able to support you and love you and spur you on well if they don't know who you are and you're not living an authentic life. Uh, so set the pace and frequency, depth, and topics of your friendships. 
Uh, lastly, step three is to evaluate how well are you at giving and receiving uh, spiritual correction. Do you just ignore it when people tell you? Do you get defensive? Do you get angry and fight back? Um, you have to learn to fight your initial urge and uh, thank the people that they care enough um, to point this out in your life because uh, that, that's what's been made the most growth in my life. Um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you all to seek intimate friendships. Um, every, every friendship does not have to be an intimate friendship. That's, that's not realistic. <laughs> um, but find a, a couple of core people that can, that can really live um, alongside you. And lastly, don't get discouraged because this takes time to build trust and build relationships with people. Uh, but you can trust that God has his hands um, over your life and your friendships. So yeah, thank you. And um, I'll pray and then we'll welcome the worship team back up. Uh, dear Lord, I just thank you for this, this wonderful night we're going to hear from these, these wise seniors and the way you've spoken through them. I pray that we can just take these things that they've learned and apply them to our lives, no matter what stage we're in, whether we're a freshman, whether we're a graduating senior, uh, but really seek to, to serve and love you and glorify you um, in whatever our next stage of life is. So um, we just praise you and we give you all the glory, Lord, and uh, praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and leave us a five-star review so that we can get these resources into the hands of other people. This episode was recorded live on a Thursday night in person at the University of Southern California. And we'd love for you to join us for one of our gatherings. So get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and our weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.